Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Oh, my goodness gracious me. What? I just feel like week after week it's getting funnier and funnier. Like, what's going to be next week now? I don't even expect next week to be fabulous or horrible. (laughs) I just don't know what. I'm going to find an elephant in the driveway, I think. All right. Can you please give us some context? Okay. Because I did not expect things to start like that. I know, I know. So, to- Hello, Jade. How are you? <laughs> Tell us about your week. So for everyone that's listening, Sophie and I were recording some episodes during this week and we were like, oh, should we do our intro now or, you know, should we wait a few days? And I said, let's just wait a few days because you never know what's going to happen, you know. for We a- might have some new highs and lows by then, closer to launch. <laughs> But yeah, you, you never know. So anyway, we wait like one day and yesterday I'm driving my car and I'm like hearing this sound in the bonnet going and I'm like, it surely isn't a bird, but it might be, but surely not. And my sister-in-law was next to me and I'm like, Greta, what is that sound? Is that you? And she's like, it's not me. And I'm like, <laughs> you're laughing, it's you. And she's like, I'm laughing because you think it's me, but it's not. Where did you think it was coming from from her? Like well, I her thought, asshole? Like, well, what? I don't know. I, I thought she was doing something like next, like down below with her shoe or something. Yeah. So anyway, we get out of the car and I open the bonnet and as I'm opening the bonnet, I say to her, look, are you impressed that I actually knew how to open the bonnet and put the thing up? I felt really proud of myself. And I could see rat poo. Mm. So I was like, oh, that's gross. It's probably rat somewhere. Anyway, Greta screams and she's like, and I'm like, what? And she's like, they're at my feet. Feet went around oh. the other side, and there were five tiny baby rats, like literally just born, just born. Oh my God. I have a I feeling saw them on your Instagram, and like I was so torn because they are really cute, mm. but then you know what they're the baby of. And Bush I was showing my friend this morning, and honestly, in the pit of my stomach, I felt so ill. We will yeah. post a picture or a video of them to our Instagram. <laughs> we might need a warning first because they might make people just vomit on the spot. So what have you done with your car? Have you just gotten Burnt rid of it. the whole thing? No, but Burnt. seriously, like what do you wh- how do you come back from this? Well, I I think that obviously is my low of the week <laughs> and my high of the week is putting my car on car sales. I'm getting rid of it. I've had enough. And so what do you write in the description on car sales? Well, it, I'm not getting rid of it just Comes because. Comes with free pets. <laughs> <laughs> it really, really, really welcomes rodents. No, I am going to just, I feel like any car that I have, because we live on a farm, this is going to happen. But apparently mechanics and people who rode in said that they coat wires in the cars now like with like an environmental eco-friendly coat. So rats actually want to eat the the coat and they wreck your oh. wires and it costs thousands. So I just I'm surprised you have such a um, strong mechanic following. <laughs> Doesn't really yeah. seem like your niche audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it is. Anyway, that was my low. Oh no! Or can can I- people write into us and tell us the funniest thing they've like found in their car? I think we could get some absolute crackers. Absolutely. Hey, P.S. So just before we talk about your highs and lows, of course, because it's not the Jade show, but Mm. I just want to say this is hilarious because we did this sleep teacher episode uh, last week and throughout this whole episode I'm like, oh, I'm going to wait till Yumi's three to get her out of the cot because she's not climbing. No joke, jinx myself. Two days after we recorded this episode, Yumi started climbing out of her cot 
this yeah, was the week it for sure. This was the week that my dog died, the chickens died, like everything was going wrong. And she came out smiling, going, Mummy, I climbed out of my cot. And I'm like, I can see that. You did. So we had to get her into a toddler bed. And And now you're gonna have to listen back to this episode. <laughs> I do, but do you know what she did? I couldn't believe it. So I have to re-actually have a conversation with Christy about this situation because I can't even believe it. She was in her room feeling fabulous that she wasn't restricted in a cot. She came out in a fucking snowsuit. She she was wearing a snowsuit. <laughs> she went through her whole wardrobe wearing a snowsuit. She fell asleep in the snowsuit. So she's overheated. Had, yeah, overheated in her snowsuit. But I, at this time I'm like, oh, you know what? You do you, girlfriend, because I... I'm at capacity. Oh, how good. How not good. Any highs <laughs> of the week other than your cute little new pets? <laughs> yeah. You lose for some pets and you gain some new ones, Jade. Yeah, you do. Look, my high is just being alive and that's pretty much it. And I'm just glad that, you know, everyone that I know is healthy and I know we're all going through a hard time. Yeah. The whole world's going through a hard time. And some days I'm really upset about things and some days I'm like, no, but I've got to tell you, exercise, whether I want to do it or not, every time I do any bit of it every day, I feel a million times better. Yeah. So that's getting me through. Yeah. How are you? I'm actually really good. You know, like we don't... I I want to talk about lockdowns and COVID for too no. long because there's so many people that are listening who are like, yeah, get with the times. We've been in lockdown forever. You guys have been in lockdown for like a hot minute. So I'm not <laughs> going to complain except the law of the week is that the lockdown has been extended. Um, but in general, I feel like, you know, we're dealing with it well. Where we are, daycares are open to everyone. So daycare is still happening, which is an absolute blessing. And yeah, we're just trying to make the most of the time we have together. We're lucky. I'm feeling like the high of the week is that I'm making a conscious effort to be super grateful for, you know, where we live. It's nice weather. It's easy to get outdoors. And yeah, trying to just soak up time with my kids. But you know, if that could get old really quickly. So if you're listening to this thinking, yeah, cool, I was grateful to spend time with my kids and I'm over it now, you're also allowed to feel that way 100%. Do you know what Mia said to me yesterday? She goes, oh, my gosh, Mum, it's nearly school holidays. I'm like, do not say things like that when I'm already vulnerable. That is not okay. Go to your room. <laughs> Go to your room. That's the most <laughs> offensive thing you've said to me all day. I will say a high of the week has been that last night I organised with my family to do a Zoom trivia night. I oh, do cool. find that sometimes Zoom catch-ups can be really awkward if there's no kind of reason or structure to it because people struggle like if they talk at the same time and then everyone's going That's like, oh, fun. you go or I go. So I was like, okay, we need to kind of have like a purpose and then we can chat around that. So, yeah, I, of course, being the control freak that I am, I like power. I nominated myself as the trivia master and I came up with 20 questions of all different topics and asked them all to everyone and then everyone like kind of swapped sheets of paper. So if they were together with someone, they would physically swap it or if, you know, like because my brother and his girlfriend doing long distance currently. So they texted one another their answer oh, sheets cool. and then went through it and there was a winner and it was just a nice way to catch up but without it being like, oh, you go, oh, no, you go, oh, what are we even going to talk about? There's nothing to talk about yeah. other than and getting the your mind word, off, etc. Yeah. So it was it was really fun and just to have some drinks together virtually was really nice. So that was a high of the week if you're looking for an activity that was that was a really wa- fun way of doing it. So Yeah, that's awesome. Anyway, do you have any mum hacks for us this week? All right, this mum hack is actually <laughs> my bestie made this this week and I have been laughing and a lot of other women have been laughing. So she obviously went into lockdown with her children, two boys that have a lot of energy and she decided to put the clock back one hour so they would go to bed early and it worked. So she's put her clock that's on the wall an hour back so it's actually like 6.30 like But it looks like it's... Oh, but it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's say... They've made it earlier on the clock. They've made it it earlier. I can't work it out. (laughs) And the boys have been going to bed because they're like, oh, it's so late. And she has had this extra hour to herself. And and what happens in the morning? 
Well, it doesn't matter. She's like, because they're not waking up looking at the clock. They mm. will sleep their time and then they'll wake up. And to be honest, her boys wake up early regardless. So for them to go to sleep earlier yeah. is a win-win. Okay, so if anyone has kids out there that are old enough to read a clock, I'm not yep. in that position yet. But um, there you go. Yeah, I've got a Rudolph Fabulous for us sent in by a beautiful listener. I took my three-year-old son to the incredibly busy public toilets in Noosa. Once he was finished, I needed to go too. I had my period, so I needed to put a tampon in. He, of course, watched very curiously and then at the top of his voice exclaimed, Mum, what are you putting that club in your vagina for? (laughs) I had to explain right there in the very busy toilet that sometimes mums bleed and they need some cotton to stop the bleeding. One of my more embarrassing mother moments club a club (laughs) that is so good I absolutely I love love that that. look I think it's fabulous I think it's incredibly important to teach our kids especially our sons all about periods so why not do it with everyone else listening and they can learn and they can learn a thing or two as well now we'll get into today's episode because we know how many of you are desperate to hear about toddler sleep Jade and I 100% agree and sympathize with all of you. We are chatting with Christy, the sleep teacher, and asking all of your toddler sleep questions. So let's get into it. Woo! Happy week, everyone. All right. I'd like to just start this episode and let everyone know that we will definitely be throwing F-bombs around. There'll be swearing, (laughs) crying, laughter. So if you've got little ones. Because that's what happens when you talk about toddler sleep. (laughs) Put your little ones in an other area and get a glass of wine. I don't care what time of the day it is. Yeah, toddler sleep, it leads to some, yeah, some emotions, doesn't it? Some real reactions. Yeah, there's a lot of wine being drunk, I think. Yeah, and I think the reason is I feel like there's so much emphasis put on newborn sleep and, you know, you're pregnant and everyone's going on about like, oh, get your sleep now because you're about to have a baby and when your baby's a newborn, you won't sleep. And then... If you're still in that stage, probably tune out now because I'm about to ruin all your hopes and dreams. And then everything goes really, really well and you get used to full night sleeps again and then they become toddlers and it all just goes to shit again and you're sitting there thinking, why is this happening to me? But the amount of questions that we got sent in, everyone is having issues with their toddler sleep, I think. You know that scene on Bridesmaids and she's on the plane and she's like looking at the girl that she doesn't like and she's like, do you? Every time someone says something about, oh, my child just slept in until 7.30 or they did this or they did that, that is how I feel in every one of those situations. (laughs) So tell us, what's the deal? Why do they do this to us? I think toddlers, as you probably know, you've each got one. Um, Great. They like to push boundaries and they like Mm. to the waters and see what they can get away with. And, you know, they're very independent. They can do it and they don't need help. And, yeah, so I think they're, they're just finding their feet as well and more often than not, we sort of, you know, we let them do something once because we're not, you know, we're not going to say no or we just want to keep the peace and then sort of just <laughs> snowballs from there. So you find yourself, like sleep-wise, you find yourself doing something that you weren't doing when they were little. Why are they all of a sudden doing it and you've just done it because it worked again and, yeah. <laughs> also, I love that Sophie and I have got you on because we truly have a problem with our toddlers and sleep. So we're like, yep, it's time. Bring her back in. We're really, really struggling. <laughs> we're just recording our personal consult with you we haven't even introduced you this is christy the sleep teacher (laughs) these are your own questions they aren't actually from your followers none of them none of them and whenever we talk about sleep we do like to say because it can be a very divisive conversation that nothing is a problem unless it's a problem for you so when we are talking about quote unquote problems or issues with sleep it's because parents have sent in things that they would like help with. If you are experiencing this and it's not a problem for you, then you don't need to make any changes. Exactly. Here, here. But we're not here for that. We're here for you to tell us all the answers so our children can sleep through the night without waking us the F up. (laughs) All right. Transitioning from two to one naps. How, why, and when? Okay. 
So two to one, that does happen around 15 to 18 months. It can be slightly earlier with a, a small percentage of children around that 13 to 14 months, but ideally closer to that 15 to 18 months will that morning nap drop off and then you're just left with the lunchtime nap. How long when they're having one nap? Like when does that end? Yeah, so the one nap will drop. And this is something that we usually might have to do for them like because you might find they're happy to still to sleep for like two hours in the day but then they're fighting going to bed yeah. so then they wake up overtired. So you still need to then have that nap in the day. So it's an S cycle <laughs> very easily. And I know myself like usually when you've got a toddler, you've also probably got a new born as well so they're sleeping so you want the toddler to sleep so you try to hold on to it um but usually i would recommend dropping that that nap around two and a half to three at the latest because it it's one of those things that like they need around 12 hours of sleep a night and you do find the children that are still having naps past that sort of two and a half to three they might be having an hour and a half to two hours in the day but then they're fighting bed so they're not going to bed until mm. 8 30 9 o'clock at night so they're still getting their 12 hours but they're going to bed late and having a nap so you find that cycle and they're getting closer to that two and a half to three, start trimming that nap down and, you know, by around two and a half, I'd probably only recommend the hour. So with the two to one naps, how, how do you do that? Because it can be so hard. They seem to, you know, you're trying to get rid of it and all of a sudden they're falling asleep on you at 10am because they're so tired. How, mm. how do we do this? Yeah, so you do cut that morning nap down. So before you drop it, the morning nap might only be 10, 15 minutes. It'll be a short one. And then you try to, you know, then obviously stretch them around that three hours to their lunch nap. When you do drop to the one nap, when you remove that 10 to 15 minute morning nap, you would aim to at least try to get them to 12. So if you can get them to 12 o'clock, then, then that's a good, good way to then, you know, build on that. It might even be 11.45 to begin with, but then over sort of that week when you drop it, I would recommend slowly stretching them that extra 15 minutes to 12 o'clock. And you might stay on that for a week or so and then push them a little bit more to 12, sort of 15 until you get to that 12, 31 o'clock nap that is sort of a good sustainable time. And when you're getting used to that transition down to one nap, should you be Sad. putting them to bed earlier at night? Um, yeah, so you might find, especially if they have trouble, you know, doing a long lunch nap, you might find that as they get used to it, you need to bring bedtime forward. But the thing is, when and that's why it's good to cut it down if you're cutting it down to 10 15 minutes that's really nothing because their lunch nap and their afternoon awake window should stay the same mm-hmm. so that afternoon period should still be the same the hardest bits in the morning bit and just I, I would recommend trying to avoid like you know getting in the car and at that time when they'd normally nap if, if they you know if you're trying to drop it or give them something to keep them entertained in the car if you've got to drive somewhere at that time um, but just keep them busy you know go outside and and run around and play like get out the bubble wand or do something just to keep them occupied rather than letting them sort of have a quick snooze on the lounge at 10, 30, 11 o'clock. So if you've got a two and a half to three-year-old and she's having a nap but she fights it every single day, like she just does not want to go down and then she'll go to bed early yet she'll wake up in the middle of the night. And her name's Does she Yumi. need a day nap still? I was just going to say, and so what time is Yumi nap? <laughs> <laughs> well, she goes to bed around 12 o'clock. Yeah. But she piss farts around and she's yelling around and and it takes a while to go to sleep. But the thing is, if I skip that nap, she is an absolute nightmare by four o'clock. Yeah, yeah. And and you will go through that you'll, for a little while, like you'll go through that really tricky, <laughs> tricky phase. Exhausting. Yeah, it is. And that's where you really want to avoid those sort of disaster naps at four o'clock on the left yeah. or, you know, on the floor in front of the TV. So, yeah, just trying to sort of keep them busy. Um, it, again, it only, it, it's just that short period of time that they do go through that transition. But, you know, if she's fighting the nap, I think it's still important to have that quiet time and, you know, just if you, the best best thing you can do is pop her in. She doesn't fall asleep. She's at least had, you know, 30 or 40 minutes of quiet time and downtime in her nice, you know, sleep space. Mm. That's at this age just as good as a nap. So, And how do we deal with an early rising toddler so again this is just like any other child or baby their body clocks are set by that food light and social interaction and I find with toddlers we usually do it's more to do with the social interaction because we do just sort of get them up and and just start our day because again it's easier than than fighting it Um, and more often than not they're hard to resettle it you know 5am a toddler but they're scary yeah (laughs) I'm scared of mine (laughs) 
me too. The other thing is at that age, if it's something that's just come out of the blue, check your nap, check your um, awake windows and your naps. And, and, you know, more often than not, it's to do with the routine. But if it's been happening for a while, I'd say mm. environmental factors are good, like dark room um, and they're not getting woken by birds or garbage trucks and things like that then it's probably to do like look at your reaction and what you're doing at that time of the day are you just going oh good morning Yumi come on let's go out let's put on the tv and you know let's make some porridge and start our day well that's essentially just telling them it's okay to do it Mm. in terms of environmental factors if you're worried about you know birds chirping and the garbage man is it fine at this stage to still have white noise going to try and decrease those environmental factors yeah 100 percent. i would still use it as long as your child's still napping i would still use the white noise as well okay because not only is there that sort of a sleep association that they probably do associate with falling asleep but it, it does help them sort of avoid getting woken up and um, you having to tiptoe around the house and what is classed as early rising versus normal <sighs> well i guess if your child's going to bed at 5 p.m well if they're waking at 5 a.m they're probably genuinely had enough sleep but if your child's going to bed at 7 30 waking at five well they haven't had enough sleep so generally speaking for a toddler we want around that 11 and a half to 12 hours overnight so depending on what time they they are going to bed I'd, I'd sort of make sure that that you know they're getting that 12 hours there but I I think anything before sort of 6am I would recommend treating like a night wake up and then keeping it pretty boring rather than just starting your day and so what do you do you just like lay down with them or like how do you settle a toddler because they're not a baby like you can't just tap it and shush it and it just rolls over and goes back to sleep like what do you do yeah and and this is going to vary depending on if your child's in a bed and they're getting out or if they're in a cot and they're just calling out let's say cot first yeah so if they're in a cot and they're just in there and let's just say, for instance, you can see them on the monitor and they're calling out or hear them on the monitor and they're calling out and standing up and, or they're just rolling around and playing. I, to be honest, I would just let them go until they actually be like start to, you can tell, oh, hang on, they're getting a little bit frustrated now or a little bit upset or something. If they're just in there playing, then just let them go and chances are they could just fall back asleep. And if not, even if they just get another 20 minutes in there before, you know, 15, 20 minutes before they actually become, you know, a little bit upset and you can tell that they need you, that's just another 15 to 20 minutes that they've had in there, in their, in their sleep space. Mm. See, I made a rod for my own back. I would hear her cry at 2am and just get her into bed with me because I couldn't deal with the screaming. And now she wakes up like clockwork at 2am with her pillow in her arms screaming because she knows that she's going to come into bed with me. So I know that I have to find a solution to get her sleeping back in her own bed again because now it is a problem for me. I'm not sleeping at all. She's a nightmare next to me. She thinks it's funny. It's definitely not funny at 2am. So what are your suggestions on retraining them to go back to sleep? Yeah, so I guess at that age it is just more about sort of not doing what you've been doing. So just sort of start a new habit. So to begin with it might be going in and, you know, laying her back down and saying, mm. you know, Yumi's going nine nights in her cot, mummy will, you know, mummy will give you a little pat back to sleep or it's just just being consistent because this yep. You've got to where you are because you've been consistent with it. So it's just a matter of putting, you know, and you're going to get that little bit of protest to begin with because they're frustrated because you're not doing what you normally do. But being consistent with toddlers, it can take, to be honest, it's harder to change an association because they they have got more stamina. They've got more like more willpower, like or more like I don't know. They they know what they want. They they <laughs> and they really they like I said they've got more stamina stamina, so they don't stop as easily. But just being consistent, and you know, it could take two to three weeks at this age for something to kick in and and start sort of you know a new habit forming but yeah I would whatever you sort of you've got to do something you're comfortable with it might be going back in and sitting there and laying down like laying back down and patting her and holding a hand for a little while for a few days and then it might be okay no mummy's just going to come lay you back down then I'll go yeah and I guess you're right it's like three weeks of training or two weeks of training or I continue on having not a good night's sleep she's probably not having a good night's sleep so I've just got to bite the bullet yeah and that's it like I think as a a whole family unit you probably will be much happier Mm. but you know if if you are doing that in your family then there's nothing wrong with doing it but for those that can't sustain it then just choose something that you're comfortable with you don't have to you know rip a band-aid off and do it all like quite 
quickly. You can do it slowly. Like I said, just choose to sit there and hold her hand till she falls back to sleep. Even if she's fighting it and, and getting upset and frustrated that you're not bringing her into her, her, your bed, that's okay. Just, you know, say to yourself, I oh, know she's okay. I'm sitting here with her. I'm holding her hand. She's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And would this age, so for example, Yumi's two-ish, at that age could you start to go like, okay, if you spend your whole night in bed, like tomorrow morning you get a prize or something? Like can they remember that type of thing in the middle of the night? Yeah, so usually a rewards chart I do find some children will comprehend from around like two and a half but it depends on the child they're also different so some children will comprehend it and take it on board others really won't give a crap and they're like whatever sticker I don't care but some of them really will so it will depend on your child but I think regardless if you're if you're trying if you're going to try and introduce one you have to be really over the top with it and really elaborate Mm. and make a big song and dance about whatever they are because they really do aim to please like they really do and any praise that they get they'll be (laughs) so keep them engaged in it like and honestly talk to everyone about it talk to everyone like nan and pop get on facetime and call them and show them yumi sticker chart and how clever she is if she stays in her bed tonight she's going to get she's chosen she's going to get the bluey sticker and then if she's good in the morning she's going to get the bingo sticker and like you know really really harp on about it and remind her before bed and because i i tried this thing where i said to her Yumi, you can't sleep in mummy's bed anymore. You have to wait till the sun comes up. And she gets in my bed at 2am and she's like, mummy, I wait for the sun to come out. I'm like, the sun's not up. It's not up yet. You're not getting it. You're not getting what I'm saying. We tried with Poppy and during daylight hours, she was so about it. She's like, yeah, I'm going to get like a chocolate tomorrow and da, 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 da. As soon as the sun started to go down, she goes, (laughs) I'd rather mummy and daddy's bed than a chocolate. And I'm like, oh, yeah. You can't argue with that. <laughs> Sweet. But, yeah, I think, and that's, like I was just saying, like when, you know, that's really good that she knows about the sun coming up so you're on the right track but you've gone off course because you've brought her in. So, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a mattress on the floor next to her and I will do that thing whereas so at least I can sleep because I just – I can't go back into my bed and then go back and forth. I'd rather listen to her cry or have headphones in and just have my hand there so she knows that this is the drill until she's used to it again. Yeah, and then you can just slowly like move your mattress away from her yeah. or move it out of her room and just sit there and then move that move away yourself. So just it's a gradual approach. Would you follow a similar approach if you were trying to night wean a toddler as well? Would you go in and kind of instead of feeding do hand holding and that kind of thing? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think, again, depending on the toddler's age, because um, there's a bit of a variables with toddlers as well because we're talking about a big age bracket, but depending what they'll comprehend to because you can explain that to them beforehand that like there's a lot of different ways depending on what you if you're breastfeeding as well some mums might put like band-aids on their boobs or like (laughs) they're broken or there's no more milk or something you know like just whatever your child's going to comprehend but if it's a bottle it's it's a different story as well so it is something you can try to communicate with them beforehand and explain that you know there's no more milk tonight and, and have it in line with your rewards chart as well so we're going to we're going to give the bottles to the garbage truck or we're going to, you know, you just can remove them in a, in a way that they're going to understand. And then overnight, yeah, you would replace the bottle with a settling approach. So instead of getting up and heating up a bottle or offering the breast, you would go in and, and lay them back down and, and reassure them and hold their hand or give them that small bit of space before going in and reassuring them that, hey, it's okay, darling, it's okay. Remember, we're a big boy or we're such a mm. And, you know, and really just go through, remember how clever we are. We're going to get our sticker in the morning. And look, you probably, the first three nights will probably be a little bit difficult. But if you remain consistent, you will notice they'll get it pretty quickly. And what are the age, what is the age bracket of a toddler? For me as a sleep consultant, I would consider two to four years um, as a toddler. Yeah. A big one that came in which tips on transitioning your child from a cot to a big bed. When do you know that it's the right time to do this and how on earth do we do this? <laughs> well, you can probably explain for me, Soph. <laughs> Isn't this how we um, first started? 
No, she cannot. She's retracted everything. No, I now cannot. Here again. My child sleeps in my my child sleeps soundly for twelve hours a night, but it's right nestled in between Nick and I. So no, I'm not giving anyone any sleep <laughs> advice. Um, okay, so I definitely would keep them in the cot as long as possible, and then. If they're around, and at least I think until they're two and a half to three is a good, good guide. Um, I know three can sound extreme, but it's one of those things, if they don't have that willpower yet, they will get out and you could have a good sleeper that turns into a not so good sleeper. I'm going for three for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If they're not from a safety point of view, getting out of that cot, I would keep them in there. Yeah. She's not climbing. So she's staying in there. And then, so with other clients, like we, we often do, if we do have to move them to a big bed, we, and they're, you know, on the younger side, we do just usually put a baby gate at the front of their room instead of, so we essentially turn the room into a cot rather than, mm. so it just stops, it, it puts that willpower there that they don't actually have themselves. So it stops them from laying in bed going, oh, there's a door, I can come out. So there's, you know, it's, it's just like a cot rail. Love it. Seems extreme. <laughs> I'm going to put out a public service announcement and say that if you want to avoid your child sleeping in your bed, it's not the cot that's the issue. So don't get them a big girl bed thinking that they're all of a sudden going to sleep in there because it doesn't work. I've done the experiment for you and it doesn't work. <laughs> Many of my consults have started with, I know they were too young to put into a bed, but I did it anyway and now I'm eating my words. So it's honestly, it's very, very common and we all do it. And honestly, I did it with my first because I just thought, oh, I was like, oh, she's so cute. Like I'm going to get her a toddler bed. And (laughs) it wasn't cute. (laughs) It wasn't cute having her walking up the hallway at 2am. And so what do you do if they start walking around in the night? It's so scary, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I know it is. It's like a clown. Yeah. And they're so like soft and then all of a sudden they're just standing and glaring at you next to your bed. I put Yumi in my bed and she got out and she was riding her bike in the dark up and down the hallway. Like, what the fuck? It was like out of a serial killer movie. I was so scared. Oh, that is hilarious. No, so I think, again, this is going to come back to, you know, like whatever, if they do get out of bed, whatever you're going to do, like if you do something, they're going to expect it the next night and the next night. So get it right the first time and (laughs) put them back, put them back, keep walking them back, even if that first night takes you three hours of walking them back, tucking them in, walking them back, tucking them in. Be consistent. Be consistent. (laughs) And, yeah, it'll pay off. It's just, you know, it's just setting those foundations, putting those sort of boundaries in place as much as I really hate using that word. But it is just, yeah, just setting setting the scene for what we sort of, our expectations and, and what happens now in their new sleep environment. And so if you were to walk them back and then like lay down with them until they go to sleep, yeah. is that then what they're going to then expect or is that a nice way to gradually get them back into their bed or are you just creating another kind of inconvenience? I personally would recommend like if that's not something you want to have to do continually because what I would probably, what I do see happens is is that that usually then will turn into, okay, after a couple of nights, well, then they, they might fall back asleep, but then they wake again an hour later and you've gone and they do the same thing. And that process, mm. that's just a cycle you get stuck in. They fall asleep, mum's sitting here. Oh, hang on. I was really, really insistent on you being here and I, I really, you know, it was I really wanted you to be here. You fell asleep with me, now I've woken up and you're not here. I'm going to come find you. You can do it again. And it's just that cycle you get stuck in because they think that they need you there to fall asleep and, and sit there and hold their hand, which is not a problem at all, but it's just a cycle that gradually forms because we, we sort of allow it to, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I would probably look, if you find yourself, if it's a new thing for you, that making that cot to bed transition and you do find your, your little one coming out, then I would just put in the, put in the hard yards early on and it'll, it'll just sort of set those foundations and, and expectations and make it a lot easier for you. Obviously, if they're sick and things like that and, and you've got to have them in your bed with you and you want to do that, then absolutely that's like do that. And then if you find that that's, they're better and they're, they're asking for that, then just get back on track and say, oh, you know, that mummy, mummy had you here because you weren't, well, we're going to pop you back into bed now and, you know, just be really consistent. But then they, they become smart because then Yumi actually said to me the other day, I feel sick. And I'm like, but you're not sick. And she did it three nights straight. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're like a baby genius. No, go back to bed. <laughs> yeah, I know. They, they honestly are. Someone said to me this morning, I had a client, and they're like, toddlers are seriously these master manipulators. And I'm like, oh, yeah. no, not intentional. 
No, but they they are they just geniuses they know who they've got us wrapped so and that's the thing too like they do they set these little boundaries for us that we're like oh yeah but at the end of the day we are the parents so we need to set some boundaries too and it's not that we're being horrible but they do set these boundaries like well they expect that they come into our bed at this time but we've got to set that well this is what we expect of you and yeah I know it's it's hard to sort of even articulate it in, a, in uh, I guess, a nicer sense, but that's that's essentially what happens. And it stretches for like even like the kitchen, you know, Yumi comes out and thinks that she can have a Milo or a cookie, like that's it. And if she doesn't get it, she's going to have a breakdown. And, you know, some days it's, they're hard, so I'm like, oh, for God's sake, just have it. But I need to be consistent yeah. and I need to be like, you know what? No, I've, I've made my decision and I, I guess she needs to start understanding when mum says you can't have that that is actually it because as soon as I give in she just knows that I'm going to give in every other time oh toddlers are take an inch run a mile that is their entire life motto yeah for sure absolutely they are but like you know in our defense it is a hell of a lot harder to be consistent at one two three a.m so the and, and the longer you do something the stronger it becomes the more entrenched it becomes more of a, of a normal behavior it becomes for them so the earlier you can get on top of it, the better. But if not, just be mindful. It'll just take you two to three weeks of being super consistent with it. And you will get that protest um, with any sort of change that we make. But just, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to leave them there to sort it out on their own. You can you can be there by their side. Poppy's main issue with sleep and sleep <laughs> and wanting like not wanting to sleep in her bed seems to be a real fear. So I find it really difficult to leave her at all because I actually, when I was younger, had a real fear of bedtime and I still to this day remember what that felt like. So I find it really difficult in the middle of the night or even when it's first her going to bed and this is how she's ended up in bed with us because I can't leave her to be scared. She's literally says things like, oh, there's a, a tiger out there or whatever. And so, like, what would your tips be with that? Tell her there's no tiger. And they do around that two and a half again, two and a half to three, their imagination does start to develop so that those, all those, you know, fear of darkness and monsters and they might watch something hmm. or read a book that has a troll in it or something and that's scary for them so that can definitely all be triggered around that age but I think in your instance if wanting to fix that I would just sort of like we we're talking about with Jade I would go back into getting having you in her room with her popping a mattress on her floor and then you sleep in there with her mm. get her comfortable with her room with you in it and and show mm. there isn't anything to be scared of Poppy's room is is lovely and it's not scary and mummy feels safe here and you know, and, and you can have the nightlight as well at this age. The nightlights can be quite reassuring. But just getting her comfortable in her room as well with you might be a good, good starting point. And, yeah, and just communicating that, you know, mummy's not scared and mummy feels safe and there's nothing to be scared of. But really, too, it's it's like obviously, you know, Poppy, I'm not sure like if it's been happening for a while, like it might just be something she, she genuinely is, there might be something genu- that she genuinely is scared of. But be mindful of what your child's watching before bed and what books they're reading and things like that because anything in those books like <laughs> Gruffalo's Tale and whatnot can be quite scary. Yeah. So, yeah, just watch watch what's happening and before bed as well because that can trigger on bedtime. So. I actually found helpful, Yumi started saying that she was scared of monsters and I started saying to her, but that, that monsters are happy. They can be happy monsters, like rah. Yeah. And so then she started going, oh, monsters are happy, rah. So then we started drawing happy monsters and I found a book of happy monsters and the whole conversation stopped. Perfect. I know, I couldn't believe it. I find it so hard to find a kid's movie that does not have any scary scenes in it. Like Poppy gets scared so easy mm. and we're like, oh, you know, like every single movie has some form of dark scene like we put on Moana and it's scary when she's like nearly drowning and then we put on Frozen and there's some kind of dark scary scene in that I'm like guys do better I have to stick to like Bluey or something (laughs) yeah Bluey's great she loves Bluey no she's on to Paw Patrol and I wish we were back at Bluey I much prefer Bluey I'm sick of Paw Patrol now, when should you start using blankets and pillows? Okay, blankets and pillows. They do recommend, Red Nose does recommend not having pillows and blankets until they're in a bed or over the age of two, but it is a personal choice. I think um, I would still, though, with 
a child like that two and a half, three years of age, still keep them in a sleep sack if you can, like a suit with the legs. It doesn't have to be an actual sack. If they like to walk, then you'd probably go more like the Ergol style with the zip. So their their pants, because they don't have that ability to pull blankets up. Yeah. So fine, they kick the blankets off and they don't, they don't wait to pull them up. They just sleep. Cold. Yeah. And then they wake early because they're cold. So that's, that's one of the main contributors to early rising too with a toddler is they, you know, we put blankets instead of a sleep sack and they don't have that ability to pull them up. So they wake in that early hour of the morning when the temperature drops and we think they've just had enough sleep, but that's why they're waking. So I would be mindful of that, that they their sleep sack's going to keep them warm. It's going to give you peace of mind. They're not cold. Mm. With the pillow, like I said, they do recommend once they're over that age, it's sort of two or in a big bed, but it, it is personal choice. And what about kids sharing a room? Does sharing a room ever help sleep issues or does it generally only magnify them? Um, I think if you've got your sleeping sorted beforehand, then absolutely. But if you've got two sleepers who, who don't don't sleep well as it is I don't think putting them in together like at this young age is gonna is gonna help you're probably gonna find them waking each other and bouncing off each other but you know if if they both sleep well and you can you know get on top of any sleep issues you're having first then putting them in the same room shouldn't be a problem and is there kind of an optimum age that maybe the younger one should get to first before you can kind of put them in together without disrupting one another I think if you feeds and I probably you know if there's night wake-ups then I probably wouldn't because yeah it's just going to potentially um, disrupt your elder child's sleep as it is and you know yourself like we we all like to get our sleep and we need our sleep so anything that's going to disrupt a little one's sleep is, is probably best avoided. Nick's grand plan when we move into our new house is that Poppy is no longer going to sleep in bed with us. That's his thing. He's like, new house, she's not going to be in bed with us. If you were a bedding person, would she be more likely to sleep in her own room if she was on her own or if she was sharing a room with Goldie? Hmm. Okay, so I think moving house. Because I'm like maybe she wants the company. Yeah. So does Goldie still wake in the night? Once. Once, yeah. you got to consider too like, how do they go down? You, if you could put them both in the same room, like if you're on holidays and they're both going to sleep at the same time, does that go? Hmm. You know, like you've got to take all those things into consideration. I think if you've got the room, I would have them in their own room because Goldie's still fairly young. So you've got all these toddler years to come with her too. So you're going to go through all this again, but oh yeah, yeah. Yay. <laughs> I would probably just start off getting her comfortable in her own room like we spoke about before with you in there, making sure she genuinely does feel safe and it's not just a company thing because, you you know, you said you know what it feels like and if she is genuinely scared, then just having that reassurance from you is probably going to help. And you might find too if Goldie's waking once a night that she wakes Poppy and then you're in, in, in the position of two being awake. So Now, how do we overcome bedtime protests or bed stalling? For example, saying they need to do poo or wheeze or they're hungry or thirsty etc okay so there's a few things you need to look at again look at their naps like is that too long is that why they're fighting bedtime are you not sort of winding them down enough do they need a little bit more of a wind down because with toddlers too they can get stuck in that um well not stuck in but it can be part of their after they've finished dinner perhaps or before dinner they might watch some tv there might be the tv on and um we're watching like eagle piggle or bluey or something before bed and then all of a sudden it's like hey yumi poppy let's turn off the tv let's go to bed and it's like no you can't expect them just to turn that off and go yeah they need to wind mm. so you've got to get that wind down happening go into their room and okay let's go brush our teeth and let's do some books on the floor let's sit in their room and do some books before you go to bed with some dim lighting rather than like the tv blaring and all the down lights on and try to sort of just you know naturally start winding them down doesn't have to be a lengthy process but just something that that does start to wind them down and rather than yeah okay tv off teeth into bed because we can't we, we can't expect them to wind down like that but if their nap's too long then naturally they they won't have the drive to sleep so they're going to fight bedtime so check that if their afternoon awake windows windows too long then they're going to be overtired so we do start it can be an easy thing too to miss their tired signs at this age too so they sort of go from being happy and then a little bit maybe just a little bit more quiet and we don't really we don't and that's when they're getting tired and we sort of can miss 
miss that because we're busy loading the dishwasher or feeding the younger siblings or bathing and we miss that overtired awake sign. We think that they're just happy watching TV or they're older now, they don't need, they can stay awake later, but they're still tired. So we need to make yeah. it so easy. So I, I've worked with lots of clients and like, oh, they're not tired till like 8.30 and then it takes me like ages to wind them down. It's just like they're not tired and like, okay, let's bring bedtime forward and start trying to wind them down around 7 and see if it makes a difference. And more often than not, they go to sleep without a problem because we've got that right time. Mm. So just really pay attention to that and I know it's hard because it's a hectic time of night but just you know really find that sweet spot if a child's like two two and a half and they're still having a short sort of say hour and a half day nap I'd probably work off around five five and a half hours awake time in the afternoon I'm tired thinking of all this and if you are dropping that day nap do you recommend doing like a catch-up nap every few days or so or once you drop it is it best to just drop it cold turkey um it will depend on your little one's age but yeah some babies will go or some toddlers will have a nap every second day every second or third day just a little catch-up but I would still cap it at around that sort of hour 40 minutes to an hour just to make sure that you Mm. and then stuck in that cycle again of them fighting bedtime and waking because they're overtired and having to have another day nap so it is finding that balance but yeah it's okay to absolutely have that little catch up every few days I do want to put hope out there for parents because I was so reluctant to get rid of that day nap I guess because Goldie and Poppy would nap at the exact same time it was my like hour and a half or so in the middle of the day where you know no one was touching me no one was talking to me and I was really reluctant but it got to the point where Poppy would not go to sleep till like like she'd be making up songs and chatting perfectly happy till like 9.30 at night and I was just done. Like I was so over it. And so we've got rid of the nap and it has been an absolute game changer. Now she just has quiet time during that time anyway. So I feel like she's asleep anyway because she's not bothering me. And she goes to sleep in literally 10 minutes at like quarter past six at night like I can't I've got my evenings back and it's crazy the difference it's made yeah that's the thing you you lose that hour in the day but you gain it at bedtime so you you know instead of being like 8 30 and you're finally getting your toddler to bed it's 6 7 o'clock and they're asleep so you gain that hour there so you might not have your downtime in the day like you'd like but you still you know as you said they need that quiet time they need to need to recoup and reset so that quiet time is still really important so you will have that little bit of, of downtime in the day still but you'll get you'll get your hour back to yourself at bedtime it's nice I feel like I actually get time with Nick at that time because yeah. he's not necessarily home like during the day when you have quiet time but then like yeah because before it was like one of us would go and put her to sleep and one of us would inevitably fall asleep because it would take her like two and a half hours to go to sleep so once you've been horizontal that long you're not getting back up and making conversation so you stumble and you're just like I'm just so tired I've just you know it's nine o'clock everyone just wants to go to sleep by then so it is it is nice as well and what's the deal with night terrors so these can form around around this sort of three years of age more prevalent in children who are overtired as well so another thing to look at but if your child is experiencing night terror so it's something that you're going to find that a night terror is different to a nightmare like a nightmare they'll wake and they'll be able to tell you about it usually in the morning they'll be able to tell you they had a bad dream about a scary bear a happy monster (laughs) but the um the night terrors they're actually they can be quite confronting if your little one has experienced it you know what I'm talking about but they're your child will thrash around you you usually can't actually physically wake them from this little trance that they're in it's really hard and it's because they are asleep when they're doing it Um, and the worst thing you can do is try to wake them up don't try to wake them up and don't don't bring it up the next day and, and you know talk about it because they won't remember it and it's not worth giving them something to worry about but because mm. they start worrying about going to sleep because they've you know we've brought this up mm. but just go in and sit next to them and and just don't try and intervene but just sit there while the episode passes because yeah we don't want to wake them up and it can it could last like it can last a few minutes like it's not it's usually not a short process but um yeah don't try and intervene and wake them up from from the episode just sit there and just make sure you're keeping them safe so they're not going to like roll out of bed or something like that yeah poppy has them really frequently and she often complains about her legs aching like that's what she's saying during it but she's not awake like her eyes are closed you you can't ask her a question she just goes like and the next day we're like oh 
oh, your legs are okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. What are you talking about? Like, and just like runs off. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, that was weird. Or like, yeah. But they can go for like five or so minutes. And yeah. when it's in the middle of the night and you know there's nothing you can do to get them to be quiet and it's like three in the morning, you're just like, oh, my God, please stop and go to sleep. I know, absolutely. And it can like some children thrash around and like can actually be quiet, like it can look quite aggressive, but they are asleep and just, yeah, don't try and wake them out of it. Just keep them like safe. <laughs> Is it normal for your husband, I mean, two and a half year old, to snore? <laughs> no, snoring and sleep isn't normal. And yeah, I would definitely go and check, get it checked out. I'll let him know. Oh, <laughs> oh we're talking about the babies. Yes, you're right. Well, that was all our questions. Do you have anything more to say on the topic of toddlers and sleep? Any bits of words of advice or wisdom you can send out to our beautiful listeners? Yeah, I, honestly, I, like I said, I think just consistency is going to be your best friend here. And remember too, like at the end of the day, they do, they like to test boundaries, but we've got to put those boundaries in place and just sort of keep them there. So um, they will push and push and push until that boundary has been knocked over. Be strong. Yeah, yeah, just be strong and, and, you know, just, yeah, be super consistent and you will get back on track. But they're fun too. Toddlers are fun. So enjoy it. Yeah, just just try to um keep the peace but they you know you can the thing is you told us you can rationalize with them so it, it doesn't mm. like a baby you can make it fun and enjoy it and really just sort of be part of it with them too and get them involved in whatever you're trying to implement so just roll with that and find something that works but stick to it I must admit I absolutely love this age it's really really hard but when you see how funny they are and they start you know it's just it's such a beautiful age it's it's probably one of the most intense but you get so many rewards out of it so it's a win-win and they are they are they're this tiny human that is so smart and I guess something that I'm gonna remember is that no matter what boundary is set they're gonna try and yeah. push it so I may as well make it a boundary that I'm happy with like right now she's still trying to push the boundary but the boundary that's set I'm not even happy <laughs> with so yeah. what's the point <laughs> I forgot to mention this to you like it's it, exactly what you're saying there is the same like they will try it it doesn't matter what it is like it could be something about putting their pajamas on so don't give them options but it's still going to get you where you want to be so it might be like rather than saying here Goldie put on your onesie it might be like Goldie would you like to wear your Paw Patrol yeah or your bluey pajamas tonight so it doesn't really matter they're getting the choice but it's getting you the end result you want so you know which book are we going to read tonight are we going to read these books or are we going to read these books you choose your books like but it's still you know getting you that result you want so yeah that will be that will also be one of your best friends yeah that's a great idea awesome well may the sleep be with you all <laughs> <laughs> and sorry to any new parents that are listening who thought they just had to get through the newborn stage and then they were on to a winner <laughs> yeah the good thing is there's not a lot of changes it's just consistency now so Yes, enjoy it. <laughs> Pour yourself a wine. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, beautiful girl, yet again. And I'm sure we will be back for teenage sleep. Well, actually, absolutely not because then <laughs> they will be sleeping too much. <laughs> How do we get our teenagers wake up. to wake up? <laughs> can't win. <laughs> well, probably Jade and I will be going through that at a similar time. So. Oh, mental break. We'll be having wines at the pub hopefully by then, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Okay, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much, my love. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.